Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, A quick program reminder, I will not be here next week. I have not been fired. I just will, I'm on vacation next week, so I will not, I will not be here. But Jason Lewis will be filling in all week long. I'm super excited about that. Uh, So, you know, stay tuned. And if you're listening on podcasts, it'll still be posted up as a podcast. So Jason Lewis, I mean, no pressure, Jason, no pressure, but you know. You're going up on the podcast. Um, <laughs> just kidding. No, he's great. We actually talked with him uh, last hour. It's good to catch up with him. Um, all right, before I get into the uh, tiny homes, which is very difficult because they are so small, let me get to Jeff here. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, you know, I'm not bleeding from my ears. I'm okay. That's good. Well, you get a full week to recover if you work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just got, yeah, I'm on mission next week, but... Uh, well, I got a comment. As far as what's been going on and all the information that you've been uh, informing everybody on, is that, you know, we tried it at the ballot box and it got uh, uh, stolen as far as for the votes and, and everything. But what can we do as a citizens of this country to stop the destruction of our republic uh, from just being totally destroyed? What, 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 what can we do? Show up. Volunteer. Get active, participate, right? If good people don't, uh, if good people don't participate in their own government, then you will leave it to the bad people to control. Well, that's the problem, though. I mean, you know, I'm not seeing or, or hearing of any major uh, people standing up and taking taking a stand on it. Well, oh, sure. Look, look, the whole field of the Republican candidates. You've got, I think, I mean, I'm seeing, there's some guy I saw today. It was like on a, he, he had an ad that came across one of the social media sites. And apparently he's running for president. He's on the Republican side. I'd never heard of the man. Um, so I, like, I think there's like probably close to 30 candidates or something running on the Republican ticket. Now, when I'm not talking about somebody else though, Jeff, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm saying, so for example, like, do you do anything uh, involving local politics or government or anything like that? I do, because it starts at the bottom. Okay, so so what do you do? Uh, I, I do some campaigning. I also do some poll watching. Great. Uh, and, and, but, you know, as far as for the, that, uh, that's here on a local level. Unfortunately, right. it's the national level that uh, really is what's destroying our country, not the local. Well, I think, um, but, I mean, you know, you had, years ago, you had a million man march on D.C., which seemed to happen, take something. You had the Tea Party convention on D.C., which seemed to have made a, a noise. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Women's March, which, you know, a million women, that, that a, a difference in there, even though it's gone to, to the side, Me Too movement, which is a joke in itself. But uh, as far as what they're not standing up doing with what's happening to the women today in sports, mm-hmm. there's dead silence on that. Uh, but the, the, the main thing, the problem is that the media, when is there going to a media mogul to you know step up and say, okay, I am going to fight for the voice of the people and produce the true news. And so I think there are outlets that do that. 
at, outlets. That's the problem. You're, right. Well, you su- well you have to support those outlets. So all right. So I thought this was interesting though. Like on the so the things that you are doing that you said you're doing, like the poll watching and the campaigning, like those are actual things, and and I applaud you for doing them. All right. Those are actual real things. The marching, that's activism. Right. That's that's performance. And I'm not saying it's irrelevant or unneeded or unnecessary, but it is it is something of a different kind. Simply showing up and marching on a particular government building that that's not the hard work of crafting policy of right going to the uh, going to meetings, making phone calls, trying to persuade people. That's a whole different kind of uh, skill set, right? So, uh, right, because anybody can show up, like you said, with the Million Woman March or whatever, like showing up to marches. That's uh, that. That is a that's a very low barrier for entry there. Whereas using your expertise to try to actually advance policy. See, I'm an, I'm a federalist, and so I don't think that what you're doing at the local level doesn't matter because of the problems at the federal level. I think the answers are going to come from the work at the local level and state level where you're doing the work. I think that's where I think that's where the solutions are. Right. I mean, well, you know, you sit there and you look at what's happened in 20, 2020, 2021 with all the uh, <coughs> peaceful uh, yeah. vocalizing uh, protests. Yeah, the summer of mostly peaceful but fiery protests. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And you see what's come out of it because of it. Well, I mean, there have been a lot of, yeah, I mean, oh, yes, I mean, what, high crime, fleeing of the cities, but also Democrats over a barrel on the crime issue. Right. So, I mean, that's just it. Does the conservative side of and the the patriots of the country, do we need to say, okay, Democrat, liberals, we're going to pick up your playbook and we're going to do what y'all did? Which is what? Burn down cities? We're wrong in that because we're using your playbook. Well, I mean, I think some of that is occurring in certain circumstances. Um, This is what I argued with the. Uh, impeaching Joe Biden yesterday. They definitely should move forward with impeaching him. You could do it oh, through yeah. the, yeah, because, and, and the argument that, oh, you know, we're going to uh, uh, disrupt the institutions and uh, you don't want to set a precedent. And my argument was that precedent <laughs> was set with Trump in the first impeachment. So, yes. yeah, so yes. th- these are the rules. And the thing is, though, you're going to have to do Harris right along with him for the simple fact that she'll just turn around and pardon him. Yeah, but I think that would be. Depending on what the see, this is why I think the impeachment is so important. First off, I believe there's enough evidence. That's the key here. First, right? I understand. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying impeach him just purely on politics. I'm saying quite the opposite. The evidence leads us uh, more towards the conclusion that he was involved in a massive bribery operation, and uh, and so it's worth exploring. But here's the here's the big benefit: is that once you do that. It now focuses people on the information and the media outlets that have been ignoring this for so long. They are now forced to report it and provide uh, details. And people who are going to wonder, well, what is the evidence? The the reporters are going to have to put something in there, right? They're going to have to put some information. Otherwise, it's like, oh, they're just impeaching him for what reason? We don't know. No, they're impeaching him on bribery charges. Well, why are they? What are those charges? Where does that come from? What's the evidence? So they're going to have to discuss it, and at that point, that breaks through. I believe. Well, the problem is though that that that's been tried to be done before, and they just come out with with misinformation, or not all the information, or 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 just pick and choose words to publish. I think though that 
Yeah, I think the difference, though, here is that Joe Biden is already very uh, uh, his unfavorable numbers. He's already underwater. His unfavorable numbers are already very high. So I don't think I don't think he can like with Bill Clinton, for example, people liked Bill Clinton. Right. So I think they were willing to give him a pass. They weren't willing to believe some of the stuff. But Joe Biden's numbers are underwater. I, I don't see people like, oh, now I love the guy, you know. Well, I've yet to find somebody that uh, will, will stand up and say, you know, I was wrong. I voted wrong. I, I, I'm going to fix that. I have had no one to actually admit that, uh, yes, they have been uh, lied to or or brainwashed. No, nobody is going to They still come back with, oh, well, you know, they all do it. Right. Well, nobody's going to. Look, this is, I said this about Donald Trump. People were like, oh, I don't like Donald Trump. He's like this cult of personality. And I said, yeah, but so is Obama. Once again. The norm has already been shattered. I remember watching the Obama campaign stops and people are chanting, you know, Obama, Obama. And like, that's unsettling to me. And, you know, much like the people who are worried about Trump's cult of personality, I was worried about Obama's. So like all of that, uh, it, these are the rules. And that's why the charge of hypocrisy carries no purchase any longer. People people don't care. Every, everyone acknowledges everybody's a hypocrite. And so they, they don't care if their own guy's a hypocrite anymore. And these are the rules. This is the same rule being applied, same standard being applied to everybody. Uh, Jeff, I do appreciate the call. Uh, let me go over here. Have a great weekend. Let me go over here to Dean and get him on before the break. Hello, Dean. Hi, Pete. How hey, are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Uh, uh, hey, so I was listening to this, and I, I really I hate to put a damper on it, but I think the only way you're going to get any change in government is through war revolution. Yeah. I mean, history sort of speaks for itself. I mean, until that happens, I'm just going to enjoy myself. All right. Well, I hope you have lots of, uh, you know, get water first, then stock up well, on your food, and get ammo and guns. Well, can't you tell me how it's going to work any other way? No. Tell me how a country has changed or a government without a war revolution, other than passing the baton. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you. I mean, if you are itching for the fight, there is. I mean, my making a prediction about avoiding a fight by peaceably arguing over uh, over policy. Right. I mean, if you're some people want to see a, a revolution, some people just want to see the violence because no, they think I, they're going to be untouched by it. I find it. I think it's going to be terrible. I would not want that at all. Um, and I, as I uh, as either. as Ice Cube said in his interview with Tucker Carlson, you know, when the when the talking stops, the fighting starts. And that's why I keep wanting to talk. Well, how is it? How, uh, how is it? Show me some examples where, the you know, the talking um created you know really changed the system i i think we're we're mired in a system since um as far back as we can go that until you want to change the dynamics of it there's it's not going to happen because of the people that are in control right you've lost faith in the form of government uh the form of government it's it's the i don't know there's the form and the format i guess the people that well, the form of government is, right, a, a constitutional republic, a representative democracy. And so yeah. you, so the people that we're sending, they are our representatives after all. Um, so yeah. we're sending people and you don't like the way it's turned out. And so that would speak to, uh, you know, a lack of confidence and faith in the form of the government that has created this situation. Now, I would point out, here's one example. Um, if you're talking about electoral success as an example of talking versus fighting, um, the Republican control of the North Carolina General Assembly after 150 years. 
It takes a long time. Like the government moves very slowly. Progress moves slowly on this front when you're talking about, you know, policy changes. So I look at the, you know, the, the, the flipping of North Carolina's General Assembly as a positive example of that. Um, all right. I appreciate the call, Dean. Have a good weekend. So I saw this story over at QCnews.com, Queen City News. Headline, will Charlotte turn to tiny homes amid housing market boom? So, by the way, this is just as an aside here. Whenever you see a headline with uh, in the form of a question, usually the answer is no. Just a heads up on that. If a headline is asking you a question, it's usually no. But they're asking you the question to make you think there's a possibility that the answer might be yes. So you read the story. But it's usually no. Okay. So, no. Charlotte's not going to be turning to tiny homes amid the housing market boom. Um, as the, because most people do not want to live in a shed. That's just most people. They, you know, and, but anyway, uh, as the housing market continues to move further beyond reach for millions of Americans, some are turning to an alternative homelessness. No, I'm kidding. It's tiny homes. If you are moving out of apartments and you want to have a place of your own, a tiny house could be the place for you, said Charlotte resident Jacob Robinson. A tiny home is a home that typically falls under 600 square feet. 600 square feet. I'm trying to think how big that is. Like my, like my patio, I think, is like 12 by 12. So that's 144, right, square feet. So like five patios. So basically, I'm thinking like it's the side, well, my living room and kitchen and uh, dining area. That's all kind of one big open space. So I'm thinking it's probably smaller than that. It's probably like the size of my living room and the patio, probably, combined. I mean, we have a regular size house. Like a, it's, I think we're like 1,600 square feet, 1,700 square feet, something like that. It's, we're, we, I, contrary to what you might think, I do not live in a mansion. Okay. I was accused of that one time when <laughs> somebody called in there. You're probably living in your mansion. <laughs> yeah. My loft apartment, actually. Anyway, um, 600 square feet, a kitchen, a full bathroom, a bedroom, like all in one little home is so cute, said Belmont resident Carly O'Neill. While some states are more welcoming to the concept, North Carolina and the Charlotte area are stricter. Homes must be at least 150 square feet and another 100 for any additional occupants. Okay, so a tiny home is anything that falls under 600 square feet. But in Charlotte, you got it's got to be at least 150. So like a square and, and then a, a, another 100 for any additional occupants. So if you want two people, you've got to have 250 square feet. So that's like two patios. Look, I watch some of this stuff on like the DIY channel or whatever it is. I've seen some of these tiny home shows. You would never get me to look. I'm gonna. I would. I'd rather live in an RV, or a camper, mobile home, or whatever. You know, I'd, I'd rather live in one of those because they're all designed and built, and so I can drive around in it. Like, there's another story. Where is this? Uh, Daily Mail. This is hilarious. Headline: We moved into a tiny home to save money. It's not as cheap as it looks. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? These people spent $90,000 for a 399-square-foot abode, plus another two grand to have it moved from Los Angeles, where it was made, to Portland, where they live. Because, of course, 
90 so $92,000. That's more expensive than my first house I bought in 2005 in East Charlotte. It's <laughs> more 92 grand. And my house was like almost 1000 square feet. That's nuts. And they're like we got it with wheels on it so we could move it. Yeah, except when they move it, all sorts of stuff falls. The fridge slid out of the off of the countertop and all this stuff. So yes, it has wheels, but it's not meant for driving around. So just get yourself an RV. My goodness. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings educators and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Yeah, so the Daily Mail has the story of Destiny and Brianna DeJesus. They're probably De Jesus, actually. Anyway, they're from Portland, Oregon, because of course they are, and they began looking into buying a home together after the rent of their apartment nearly doubled over four years. As a couple who loves to travel, they fell in love with the idea of living in something like an RV, but not an RV, or a van, but not a van. So they could move around the country rather than spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to put down roots in a single location. Bleh. They eventually opted for a tiny home on wheels and officially moved into one in early 2022. But they were in for a shock when they were hit with a slew of expenses and challenges that they never expected. Destiny, in a recent essay at Insider, said, quote, Although we now love everything about living in a tiny home, the journey to get here was not easy. She explained that just because homes are small, it doesn't mean that they are cheap. <laughs> so you could have, there you go, you get all the benefit of spending a lot of money and none of the downside of having a large place, uh, large place to live. Right? You get the best of both worlds. You get tiny cramped conditions uh, and you spend a lot of money. What's not to love? Look, I don't have any, I am an all of the above kind of guy. When it comes to housing, like, you want the tiny home, you want to live that lifestyle, you go for it, man. I Like, I, I, I kid because I, all right, with the tiny home stuff, it strikes me as like the you shall eat bugs. You know, that's what it strikes me as. Like, everybody should eat bugs. No, I'm not eating bugs. No, I don't want to live in a tiny home. They're annoying. They look really annoying. Have you seen the videos or uh, any kind of show with these people who like the the bed? So it's a a frame, right? So you got the you got like a box, and then you got the the sloped uh, uh, peak at the top, and that's where you sleep is up there. You can't even sit up in your bed. Like you can't sit all the way up in your bed. You got to like kind of hunch over because you're right up on the ceiling. You got like I don't know what happened. I don't know how. I don't know how you would engage in those types of activity. I don't. I have no idea because I've seen like 
I seen the the space up there. It's only like two feet. Yeah, you're all smushed in there, which I guess you could do it. Anyway, never mind. Uh, the whole whole point is it's not for me. But if it's for you, more power to you. I just don't understand why you wouldn't just go buy a vehicle. Go buy uh, if you, if the whole point is to live in a mobile setting. They've already invented that, right? They're RVs. There's like a whole culture, and they're very uh, accommodating to each other. People help each other out. There are all these meetups and stuff, and you could drive anywhere, and you can also park them. And they got they got RV parks. You could take them to campgrounds and stuff. They get hookups and everything. There's all sorts of accommodation made for the RV community. Tiny homes, not so much. No, not so much. The regulatory regime has not caught up with uh, the groundswell of desire for the tiny homes. So Destiny reveals that she paid roughly $90,000 for this 400-square-foot abode, plus another two grand to have it shipped to Portland from L.A. because they built them in Los Angeles. Because the home is on wheels, they thought it would be easy to travel in it from state to state. But in reality, she explained... It's an expensive and risky event every time they want to relocate. Quote, movers usually estimate the price of gas per mile. So they can't even they can't even move their tiny home on their own. They have to pay somebody to move the tiny home. And she says this means that the move the next move they want to make, guess what? Guess what they're doing? You want to take a guess where they're moving to? Texas. So, right, they bought it in LA. They had it shipped to Portland, and now they want to move it to Texas. I'm going to take a guess, thinking that they're going to the Austin area. Just a wild guess there. Moving an entire home also comes with risks. When we moved our house the first time, we opened the door to find our fridge on the counter, our porcelain sink cracked, and our sliding door off the hinges. (laughs) Right, (laughs) because it's not... It's not designed for this. They have designs for this. People, come on. Another major hardship that they have faced since the lifestyle change is finding places to park their new home, they say. They have uh, had also had a, so the regulatory environment is not really great for them. Uh, they've had a hard time discovering contractors who are willing to fix problems that arise, which means that they are often left to handle it themselves. <laughs> so, you can't even get people to come work on your house because it's so tiny. <laughs> Have you inquired at like the hobby store where the guys build the dollhouses? They may, that might be more your speed. The pair actually documents the difficulties that they face while living in the tiny home on their social media accounts. Quote, we have dedicated this page to showing mainly the cons of living in a tiny house because we don't see enough of it online, they said. But we will take this bleep over paying $1,600 for rent. So we're going to roll with the punches, they said. More power to them. More power to them. Then there was this. May want to sit down for this. <clears throat> I, I am in partial agreement. It's not full agreement, but I'm in partial agreement with Charlotte Mayor Pro Tem Braxton Winston, who's running for labor commissioner, by the way. Well, I mean, he needs, needs a full-time gig. He's trying to be a... Uh, professional politician. So you got to start somewhere. So anyway, he says, I have long believed the solution to I-77 congestion is to remove local exits in Charlotte. So we're talking about basically from the John Belk exit 10, John Belk freeway, south, 
to the South Carolina border. Eliminating some of those exits. And I got to tell you, I kind of agree with not, not all. Like some people were like, oh, yeah, exits three, four, five, seven, eight, 10, 12. Like, okay, you're just nuts. You're going to tell me to eat bugs next. Okay, just stop. Not all of them. Hashtag not all the exits. But some of them probably, if they went away, it would alleviate congestion to a degree. And look, this is the same argument that arose with the I-485 rezonings that occurred in city council. Low those many years ago. And Pat McCrory took a lot of grief for it because developers were leaning on him, pressuring him and the city council to let them develop at every single interchange, the same sort of stuff that you see, right? Like you got the fast food joints, you got the gas stations. They wanted the same stuff at all of these exits, and they wanted more exits. And McCrory, to his credit, said no. He vetoed one of them. I think it was the Albemarle Road rezoning. And uh, he said no. Like if you keep building those types of uh, land use at all the exits, you create more trips to the exit and you know on and off, and that backs up onto the uh, – the interstate. So you want the whole point of the interstate is to move vehicles past, right? Move them quickly around. And uh, at least for the belt, it was the I-485. And so if, if that's what you believe the point, the, the purpose of the interstates are, then yeah, there's, you probably shouldn't have one exit every mile because every time you get people pulling off and coming on, it creates jams and you're getting too much local traffic there. I mean, of course, the secondary roads are totally screwed, but whatever. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Um, Jan says, Pete, I travel, or thank you for the heads up about your vacation, Pete. I travel a lot for my job, sometimes for weeks at a time, and I remember coming back to Candler, which is western North Carolina, and hearing the guy with the great hair Instead of you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, wait. What are you saying, Jen? You saying I don't have great hair? <laughs> That's no, it's Sean Hannity. So they put Hannity on when they uh, riffed me in Asheville. Reduction in force. Or as, uh, as it was described in the press release when they, uh, when they riffed uh, like hundreds of their employees, they said that we were... Uh, what was it? Dislocated. That's what they call it. They called us dislocation. Yeah. Employees suffering from dislocation or something like that. So I was a dislocated employee at the time. Um, so when that happened, Jan says it took about a week before I figured out that you had been replaced. At that point, I just stopped listening to the station uh, during that time period. I have several local hosts that I listen to in my travels around the eastern U.S. when I go through and tune to those stations and somebody else either local or nationally syndicated, I get a flashback to when you were let go. Well, yeah, I know. Look, 
This is one of the things people don't ever, uh, when they make these decisions in radio and in, in you know the industry, and this is what happens: they make these decisions, and um, and I know that every job has a shelf life. It's not my job; it's the stations. But there's always this sort of lack of, uh, I think, appreciation for sort of the trauma that the audience suffers, and they do because it's like a part of the family. I'm like one of you. I'm your family. Pass the potatoes. Two six packs of shiner, 99 cent butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler, take a gas at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard, sing along to Redneck Mother. By the way, just a heads up, if you're thinking about getting a license plate that says, you know, people should go back to whatever state they came from, just beware, you might not be allowed to get it. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang Followed us down to the lake And didn't have to think about that too long Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight Situation couldn't be more right I can feel a good one coming on So this story from the AP out of Nevada, license plate that was meant to drive away Californians, <laughs> uh, backfired. The license plate read G-O-B-K, so go back, G-O-B-K-2-C-A, go back to California. The state had originally issued it, but then somebody saw it, complained, I bet they were from California, and then they revoked the license plate. Quick question. Do you think that the guy who had the license plate telling the Californian to go back home, do you think he has a higher or lower opinion of Californians now? What do you think? All right. I'll see you in a week. Jason Lewis filling in for me all next week. Y'all be good. Treat him nice. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Okay.